TheOAMNetwork.com. Power to the podcast. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the very first Memphis is Funny podcast. This is the podcast inspired by the MemphisIsFunny.com website and hosted and produced by the OAM Network. And we are here. Uh, I am Doug Gillen. I am one of your hosts, and I am here with uh, Carly Lawrence, your other host. Hey, I am Carly, and I'm here. <laughs> Carly is here, and we have our guest host this week is Mr. Chris Davis from the Memphis Flyer. Hey, Chris. Hi, I'm also here. Yeah, everyone is in attendance. We've We're taken attendance. We've checked off the list so the band meeting can commence. Uh, this is this is the very first Memphis is Funny podcast uh, going off the website, memphisisfunny.com. Of course, that website is where you can see everything that's going on in comedy in Memphis. Uh, we have a list of open mics. We have a list of regular shows. On the front page, we have featured shows every single week. And uh, on this podcast, we'll be talking a little bit about what happened last week, about what's coming up uh, in, the, in the week to come. And uh, we'll talk a little bit with someone who has some insight into local comedy about what's been going on and what's happening and uh, all the funny things that everybody's seeing. So I think we're going to we're going to get right into it. What do you guys think? I think that sounds fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously very rehearsed this podcast in our first in our first uh Chris, feel free to laugh into the microphone. May yeah. I cough? May I cough? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. So, uh, so yeah. Uh, last week was pretty cool. It was pretty big. Uh, we had drafts and laughs. Uh, the comma, comma comedians. Have you, have you heard of this, Chris? This uh, happened uh, after your article. I, I have heard. Yeah. So, they are, they are called on Facebook the comma comedians. But if you spell it out, it's comma, 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 comedians. And if you say it properly, it's comma, 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 comedians. Do they have a red, gold, and green uh, color? scheme i mean from time to time this week uh mark brimble one of one of the uh, guys he hosted the recent show he came out in a mascot suit with a save the greens ward sign and uh and that's how they started this show it was at memphis made brewery that's why they've been doing that a mascot suit for the comma 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 comedians i suppose I <laughs> so was that a- like 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 a big furry boy george what is that? <laughs> <laughs> it was furry it was furry i don't know i don't know if it was boy george or, or george boy boi to avoid a, a lawsuit or something like that but it was uh it was it was it was great it was a big green furry monster that is what it was so that was real fun that was their second show they got through that they had some uh some stuff with that. Uh, what else happened? I like their this poster week? for that. Oh yeah, it said we will not endorse your show, the Memphis Flyer. Right? Yeah, you guys got quoted <laughs> on the made on the me poster. Laugh. Oh yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it said it, the quote was we will not endorse your show. No, that was uh, the critics loved us. We yeah. have a we have a non endorsement policy. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, that went real well. Uh, Richard Douglas Jones uh, had another iteration of the Black Nerd Power Comedy Hour on Friday uh, at the basement. That went really well. Uh, Johnny Bratzfeen's a guy who's been popping up lately. He was on that. And then there was uh, Anarchy at the P&H. Uh, over there at uh, at the PNH. I remember seeing um, Johnny Bratzfeen the first time at PNH. I think maybe like last week or the week before, and he just the room was roaring. Yeah, like completely. He just was kind of put up in between a bunch of. Not random people, but I mean, he definitely like when he went up, it was distinct that he was up there and people thought he was hilarious. A lot of stage presence. Definitely. I mean, even at Drew's, you know, on Monday coming up there and just being there for a second, uh, you know, in in front of a room, you know, Drew's on Monday can be a little little more subdued. I mean, Chris, you you know, you. you Oh, yeah. There's like tumbleweeds. Yeah, Yeah, sometimes. Uh, And uh, and so but Johnny was up there and he just started talking about Oregon Trail and all the various diseases you and your horses could get. Uh, he's like, would you like to eat the horse? Oh, now you have a horse disease, and and everybody was, everybody was really in, really enjoying it. So that was great. Yeah, and then uh, that same night, uh, that was last night, they had anarchy at the PNH, which was a fundraiser Val Hopkins put yeah, on. I'm guessing that's that was out of control. Uh, well, actually, you know, strangely, it was it was very uh, structured. 
you know, everybody kept to their time. I so. totally asked for my money back. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit of false advertising there. I got to see Brandon, uh, Brandon Sams, uh, do his set there, and he had people just, just rolling. He brought out some of the the big hits. Uh, he does a thing, uh, a Tom Waits impression that's absolutely phenomenal, and then he also has this new stuff about moving to the suburbs. That's uh, that's that's terrific. If he could put those two things together, yeah. Tom, yeah, Tom, Tom Waits songs moves. about the suburbs. Right, right. Hey, it might be Brandon. He drives if you're a listening. suburban, you know. Oh, does he? But he calls it a bourbon. <laughs> <laughs> so Tom Waits drives a suburban. He's the only celebrity I've ever stalked. <laughs> Chris Davis, very big Tom Waits fan. Big confession. Yeah, up, up here on Memphis is funny. So that's uh, yeah. So that's what happened uh, last week. Some of it uh, coming up this week. We got a lot of uh, oh well. Mike Epps also that was last week. Mike Epps was at Chuckles. That was huge. Uh, they sold out four or five shows with that. They had to add a midnight show. They added a show today at for nine thirty. They add, oh, so they added two shows yeah. for Mike Epps. That was how big the demand was for him. So, uh, but you know, you get those movie credits. You're real good looking, and and uh, you know, multi decade career being hilarious. I think that's how that works out for you. Did you know that there? It's been in the works. Like it's been talked about in the past. Like I mean, year, year and a half or so that he's supposed to play Richard Pryor in a movie about Richard Pryor's life. Oh, I think that that could be alright. It's like in yeah. the they're they're going through different directors and stuff. But I just thought that was really interesting. Yeah, that is that'd be a great get for be, him. Oh, and that'd for bring sure. Him, yeah. Last thing he was in was what Black Dog in the Hangover. Like he wasn't. I don't remember anything before that. That's uh, wow. That'd be cool if he if he ended up playing Richard Pryor. Yeah. So cool. Yes. Yeah, so for next week, uh, yeah, I give you a little self indulgent here. We do have Tuesday show. Uh, Tuesday show one year anniversary is coming up on Tuesday. So that'll be real cool. Uh, we've got uh, Brandon Sams will be there, and who knows? Maybe he'll combine those Tom Waits bits. Maybe maybe he'll he'll get that that going on. Uh, on Wednesday, uh, Rob Love has his Love and Laughs uh, showcase and open mic. Tutweezy will be the featured guy there. You know, when 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 my wife talks about Tutweezy, she just goes, "Doug, I, I just I just don't know why, but when he's on stage, I just can't help but just keep looking at him." I just I said, "Okay, all right." So you think Tutweezy's really attractive? That's. That's what we're hearing here. Tut. Yeah. Oh, tut. Oh, tut. And uh, Billy Gardell from Mike and Molly is coming to, to Minglewood. He's been in town uh, filming, filming Million Dollar Quartet, and he set up a show. Chris, have you guys gotten to do anything with the Million Dollar Quartet people? Uh, we've not done a whole lot with them yet. I know that there's an interview with him that should be in the paper this week because he's playing uh, Colonel Tom. Right. Colonel Tom Parker. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, there's something that's coming out to promote his, his show that's happening next week. Excellent. Yeah, that should be amazing. And he's doing the big room. So uh, if that fills up, that'll, that'll be really fun. So definitely check that out. We actually, on the website, on Memphis is Funny, you can check it out. It's on the front page. We interviewed Billy Gardell earlier this week. Uh, he gave me a call, and uh, he was just the nicest guy ever. Uh, I know people like to say that when they talk to somebody who's uh, big and got, got some credits and everything, but he talked a lot about uh, stand-up and his love for stand-up and how that's something he always comes back to. Uh, I mentioned to him, I said, uh, you know, I really enjoyed in halftime in his, in his special where he talks about how uh, his dad would, you, you, parents, he said parents now have to keep up with their kids all the time. But uh, when he was little, his dad would just come in the living room and tell all four kids, all right, get out. And then they would just have to leave for, for a while. And, and I thought that was great. Is, said, that tr- is that true? Yeah. Yes. I mean. I'm just asking because mine, mine are at home right now. I got no idea what they're doing. They are, is that true? You have to keep up with your kids. As long as they haven't broken the big glass egg, I guess we're all right. Yeah, maybe maybe we don't have to. But he uh, his response to that was he could never write anything funnier uh, than his father. So we thought that was pretty funny. 
Uh, we've also got The Leftist Show. The Leftist Show is coming up at Midtown Crossing. That'll also be Friday. Uh, Kyle Kordsmeyer, my partner at the Tuesday Show, will be hosting that. Um, it'll be P.A. Uh, P.A. Schleckler's first uh, showcase, I believe, Yay. or maybe his first book showcase. I think he's, he's, uh, he's snuck on a couple. Um, and, then, uh, and then Sam Lyons will be coming up from Oxford and Kate Lucas as well. And then uh, on Friday night at midnight, uh, Just Larry will be with, with Night Shift uh, doing, doing, doing the clown thing. So that'll be pretty cool. So that's what we have to look forward to this week. Uh, we're going to have to add like an applause thing or something. Yeah. We'll, we'll put it in there. Yeah. Making, Gil's <laughs> making a note. Yeah. When we finish a recap or something. Uh, but yeah, so that brings us to what we're all here for. Uh, Mr. Chris Davis. Yeah. I think we can clap into the microphone a little bit. Yeah. Okay. He's, he's here. Yeah. yeah. That's very exciting. Uh, Chris, thanks so much for being here. I just can't wait to let you down. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we wanted to have you here because, uh, first of all, uh, the Flyer article, fantastic. Uh, thanks so much for shining a light yeah. on the comedy scene. Yeah. And uh, hiring Mitchell. We talked about the, the posters a second ago. Mitchell does the, the posters for Memphis Made. He did the cover. Um, great guy. Uh, but, yeah, if you just want to tell us a little bit about like, how that got started, how, how that article kind of came about. First of all, as far as I'm concerned, that the, um, the article was a great excuse for Mitchell to do that cover. It was a... <laughs> Since we're working in an aural medium, I'll go ahead and describe it as being a, a parody of the uh, Animal House film poster with all of these Memphis comics plugged into them. And it was, it really was. When when he came through with that and it showed up on my computer screen, I, I got up, did a little dance, turned around because it was just – it said everything it needed to say and uh, and I, I figured that my work there was, was completely done. Yeah. But uh, the backstory, I guess, would be I've known uh, a bunch of the people who have been a part of the Memphis Comedy Festival for a long time. Katrina had done, you know, some things in the past. Just talking about uh, Katrina Coleman. Katrina Coleman. Yeah, CEO of the Comedy Festival. And, and, you know, every year I would get a phone call or an email or something. It's like, hey, is this the year we're on the cover? (laughs) And I'd be like, well, you know, because because a lot of times our covers are planned pretty far out in advance. Right. Um, you know, if there's breaking news, we can make exceptions for that. But hey, there's a comedy festival. That doesn't. That's not like. That's not like you know, mayor found in bed with <laughs> dead puppet. Yeah, the uncomfortable it's close, level. but yeah, yeah. You know, th- those things will stop the pre- you know stop a, a cover story for and go with something else. But comedy festival, it was always a little bit late. And I said, you know, I'll tell you what. If you guys are around, if you make it for five years, five years, I will. You know, after the fourth year, I will like book it a year out. We'll make sure that we make this thing happen. And uh, and so, th- I mean, that was really it. It was uh, um, I knew that I had wanted to do something about the comedy scene for a long time because it's always been this um, this amazing thing to me. Because whether if there are comedy clubs, Memphis has comedy. If there aren't comedy clubs, it almost seems like Memphis has more comedy. Huh. You know, it's right. It sounds like a, a, um, a disparaging to say it's like the cockroach of art forms, <laughs> but it really does seem like we could have a, a nuclear blast and all other art forms would disappear and there would be somebody hosting an open mic over in the rubble. <laughs> uh, so it, it just been so. Do you know who books that? The open mic <laughs> the open in the rubble. rubble. I don't know. <laughs> it had been something I'd wanted to do for a long time, but but consequently, I hadn't seen a lot of comedy for a long time. It had been a while. I'd been out raising my kids and right. uh, and doing a lot of other stuff. So when I came back, it was a it was a, a different world than the one that I had remembered. Um, yeah, so now would be a great time to ask a question. Right, yeah, we can ask a question because <laughs> otherwise I'll just babble. Well, right? that's fine. We're very experienced it's interviews true, interviewers yeah. here, me and Carly, uh, on our first podcast. So See, I'm really, I'm really good doing. at interviewing people when people interview me. It's right. like if they don't ask questions, I will just talk. 
and, yeah. and it goes nowhere. That's good though, because that's that's why you're here uh, to let us let us know about it. I, I actually, uh, you know, was smart enough to get two journalism degrees, so I have great interview skills, uh, just not for jobs. <laughs> just See, not for. <laughs> oh, good, good. Yeah. You've actually got way more journalism degrees than I have. Maybe. Yeah, do, yeah. Do you, you want a way worse writer? You, can we change chairs? Yeah, can we, <laughs> we can switch the thing. Uh, we. You know, I remember you showed up uh, at at Tuesday show at the at the one. I think it was in in March, um, yeah. and I didn't I didn't know who you were. We had never met, and then you were just this dude who looked really grouchy sitting in the third row. <laughs> that, like a couple people noticed, and then afterwards, I was like, "Oh, that's Chris Davis. Oh my God, he hated Tuesday show. No, I actually this article's gonna be. Yeah, I had a really nice time. In fact. Um, Yes, I, I I probably did look a little bit grouchy. Right, that, you know that was a crazy night, and and it was a really nice introduction into what's happening in Memphis comedy now. And I'll tell you the thing that like amazed me is that was a really crappy night. Yeah, the weather. You know was the horrible. weather. The weather was bad. It was it was cold ish, but it was really wet and rainy, and the streets were slick in that way where it's reflecting all the lights, and you can't tell which way is up and which way is down. It's the kind of night you just can't get audiences out to to see anything practically and i didn't get there that early but i right. got there early ish and it was just it was just empty and that downstairs area you know it looks like it, it looks like david lynch like vomited the vomited <laughs> and the vomit designed that space down right. there because it's just it's it weird was a and cast aside funky. set from twin peaks i think there was one of the comics yeah. that said it said it looked like it was decorated before jazz was legal yeah, or Josh yeah. Wagner. <laughs> and i don't even know what that means but, <laughs> but it's but it's right yeah um and so I was down there and just looking around and just a bunch of empty chairs. And it was just, it was, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a miserable night and it's an empty space and it's a weird empty space. I'm like, oh, this is going to be, <laughs> yeah, this is, this does not look promising. This is going to be a great assignment. And then it was like, bam, people just started flowing down the stairs and it was packed. <laughs> it, it, right. Yeah, it, it went yeah. from being completely empty and no evidence of anybody showing up on this miserable night to being packed and, and people that were there ready to have a good time. You know, nobody was sitting down there going, impress me. It was yeah. like people were there ready to and, – and I will admit – I was going on fumes, and right. I, I was probably not the best audience member that night. But but I had a, a you really were interesting nice time. though. You gave comics something to to talk about. <laughs> well, I, I'll, uh, I'm I'm not the person. You know, I'm not the guy the magician ever wants to call up to be their, right. their audience. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're going to ask me a question. I'm not going to give you the answer you want. Yeah, and Carly's helped us out a lot at Tuesday Show. So you've you've seen kind of how those Memphis crowds come in, kind of when they come oh, in. Oh yeah, you? it happens every time too. And I feel like in Memphis comedy time, if you know, something scheduled for seven o'clock, it'll actually go on at seven thirty, seven forty-five. Right. Every time. Yeah. And people yeah. aren't even gonna show up to something until Yeah. And that's right on a when weekday. it's about to start. Yeah. Yeah, like a weekend. You might but, have a nine o'clock show start at ten. You know, I've been so involved in in and out with the Memphis music scene for years and uh, established bands want that kind of crowd on a Tuesday night. Right. You know, I mean what, what you had at at an relatively early hour on a rainy Tuesday night is the kind of thing that, you know, most people who are doing music or theater or whatever, that's the mythological audience they believe is out there, but they right. can't ever seem to hook. So whatever you guys are doing to make that happen, it's uh, it's a special thing. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, I appreciate you saying that. I think, uh, you know, in the article, like when I read it, I felt like that was really captured. And then you took time to talk about Hunter and all the kind of experimental stuff yeah. he was doing. And, and I, I got to say that that, that whole – 
energy and that whole thing extends to you know it's not just Tuesday show it's all the other showcases and open mics that that I went to there's an the, among the musicians there's an old saying and you know it it may I'm not going to misattribute it. I was about to potentially misattribute it. So I'll just say it's an old saying that the three hardest dates for an entertainer in Memphis are, are Christmas, Easter, and Memphis. And Memphis, yeah. And and as far as comedy goes, I, I you know, there are some venues, some nights that are maybe not as uh, um uh as enthusiastic as others, but overall it was it just seemed like whatever night the event uh was on, there was an audience for that night. Whatever time it was, there was an audience for that time and they all came knowing what to expect and getting what they wanted. Yeah. And I think a lot of that is, a, and Carla, you can weigh in on this too. I think a lot of that's kind of a testament to what people like Josh and Katrina Coleman and, 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 and Richard jo- Douglas Jones and Brandon Sams. And, and some of those people had done before, they had just been years and years and years of plugging away at maybe one open mic, maybe two open mics a week. And then Josh has uh, his don't be afraid showcase would be going on for a year uh, by the time Tuesday show even came out. And he had kind of started to convince people, I think again, that not only were, well, people doing the open mics had helped, but his showcase said, Oh, well a comedy showcase in Memphis is really going to be special. It, I mean, you yeah. came in around the time of comedy fest 14, right? When you got yes. started. Yeah. Yeah. And what did you think about that. everything? I mean, you, these, these people that are in the scene, you know, Josh McClain, Katrina Coleman on them, they, they're established names. So when I started Getting into it and becoming more involved in this and doing stand up, you know, these names stuck out. They were kind of like headline names. So seeing that they're on these shows and they're putting on these shows, well, I know it's going to be a good show. By right. word of mouth, that brings more people out. It's just, it's, you know, they're, they're, Putting out a product that people want to see and people want to spend their money on. And yeah. a, lot of, a lot of those folks are folks who were just kind of getting started doing comedy at about the time I stopped getting to see a whole lot of it. Right. And so, so when I went away, they were, you know, they were really talented people, but they were just starting to get their chops down. And it was really nice to see how they have all really just, you know, they know what they're doing now. They're, oh, for sure. Yeah, lots of lots of folks who um, just have gone pro yeah and and that's one thing i think that was interesting when we talked uh when you were doing the research was uh and i think it was actually it made it into the article too or maybe it was on one of your facebook posts where you said uh because you had been going to the open mics as well as the showcases you said even if i see the same person whether they're a veteran or what that whole idea of there's a difference between open mic performing and showcase performing was something that you said you really saw i thought uh, while you were doing the thing, is that not from you? Am I totally? Uh, I, I don't know if it was or not, but I mean that that really is something that's kind of kind of special to watch the the evolution from uh, open mic and into the the showcases. Um, yeah, is, is there some funky bass happening? Right. What? Yeah, there's a band practicing next door. Oh, and, okay. Uh, I just wanted to make yeah. sure that wasn't like a, like a thirty second warning. I, like, thought, right. I was like, no. is that the outro music? Yeah, it <laughs> sounds like the swanky speaky right. music that we have for the intro. Yeah, so right. Is this now, me off. Instead of uh, doing NPR, now we're now we're on college radio. I think <laughs> we've got the, the the bass in the background. You but know, yeah, no, you're open fine. mics are such an old school idea. The the whole idea of the open rehearsal. You know, the difference is, is that you know if it's in in theater, you can you can come watch it, and you can watch an open rehearsal, and then blah blah. But you know, here you can drink, and you can have a good time, and, and it might be. And some nights, open mics can be as glorious as a as a showcase. Absolutely, but those are those are pretty special. Yeah, um, but it's fun watching like a comic like struggle with like some joke, and you see that they they see a joke in there. And maybe you don't see that joke in there, and then they struggle with it again, and you still don't see the joke. 
And then you show up to the showcase, and, and they start into the intro, and you're like, oh, here comes that joke. And they nail it. Right. And all of a sudden, and, you know, maybe they've not changed anything but the delivery. And you go, oh, there was a joke in there. It's it's It's, it's pretty, a beautiful thing. It is a beautiful thing. It, I mean, it's it's like gardening, you know? It's, it's like <laughs> you, you get rid of the weeds, the, you know, the bugs eat the crap, and then, and then all of a sudden there's a pretty flower. Yeah, yeah. you whittle it down, and then, and then the flower dies when that news story you base the joke on gets old. It's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> dead dead flowers ah, that's ah, that's ah. something that we we endorse here as being very funny by default uh, that's the uh, rolling stones best comedy album right so you're you did though while you did it um and I, I do actually before i get into that i want to talk about a couple other people so you had a chance to sit down one-on-one and have some pretty long interviews yeah with uh, lo- lots of folks with a lot of people that that may or may not have made it into things i know a lot of the stuff uh that didn't make it in the article made it in the first amendment uh, amend- addendum Dendum. It sounds like okay. I always, I always think I I gather enough information where I could write a novel, and then I at some point have to confront the reality that three thousand words burns pretty fast. Right. Yeah. Uh, But is there, you know, and and I thought. The stuff with Josh was so great. By the way, uh, if, if you listen to this and you haven't checked out Chris's article, um, if you just search Memphis is Funny, Memphis Flyer, it'll pop up immediately. All three uh, entries that he's got, and I think they're all fantastic. They're all very well. I'm, I love your writing style. Oh. They're all very well written. Well, thank yeah. you. And, uh, and I, would, I think we would both recommend that you read all three of them. Yeah. Uh, because I think they all kind of work together. My influence is booze. <laughs> One of my favorite lines, I love a good Tommy joke, but <laughs> when you describe as Tommy, Tommy Oler is developmentally stuck somewhere around the seventh grade. <laughs> I literally peed my pants. Oh, oh, you know, I did that once too, but I was at Walmart, so I made a big deal out of it. That was when Tommy was doing that jokes he wrote in the seventh grade thing. So it was perfect. He'd pull out a sheet of paper and like, and like flip it like, wah, wah. and it jokes yeah. I wrote in the seventh grade. But then, then we started hanging out. I was like, going, oh, oh, no, those really, I mean, those, That's are, really the, you. those yes. are also the jokes. Those are also the jokes you just wrote yesterday, right? <laughs> he has, it's funny because in the time since then, every now and then, if he needs a, a quick hitter, he'll pull out one of those jokes without the whole joke I wrote in the seventh grade set up. He'll just be like, this is stupid. And then he'll say it and... He's fantastic. I mean, we're talking about Tommy uh, with 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 the open mics. Uh, obviously, we talked before about how you know you'd have one or two open mics a week for a very long period of time, um, in up until Don't Be Afraid. And and because I only came in really uh, when Don't Be Afraid had already started and stuff, I don't have a, a full picture of it. But about a year before I came in, I, I kind of checked out some of the stuff that was going on and saw that yeah, it was one or two open mics. And from what Katrina has told me, um, it, it's it's there was kind of a constant. There was this group of people who just kept doing it, kept doing it, kept doing. It. It. And then when it started to improve and there started to be a lot more interest, I think the open mics uh, is one of the things that, that caught that benefit first. And Tommy taking over uh, P&H right around that time and then doing such a good job with it, I think, is, is definitely at the core of of any of the success that anybody has seen. And I, do you yeah. guys think you saw that in, in what you were Oh, yeah, at? absolutely. Tommy's so dedicated to everything that he's involved in, and it's so... I, it's great. Yeah. Like Tommy's such a great person. He's great at what he's doing, and it's nice to see him just like completely pro- progressing with everything. Yeah. And what's also really fantastic is to see so many of the people who are who really are kind of the pillars of this community um, working on everybody else's stuff. You know, yeah. I mean, it doesn't yeah. matter if I'm walking in on a, a Tommy show or a Katrina show. You're going to see Richard Douglas Jones. You're going to see exactly uh, uh, all sorts of folks, and it's it's, it's you know. Um, 
there are real benefits that are being reaped from this net, heavily networked community. Right. Yeah. You, I think mm-hmm. you mentioned that. You said uh, one of your descriptors was network to the gills. And that was one thing when I first got to work with Katrina and them in the comedy festival that I was like, wow, they know friggin' everybody. And then when I started to expand, it was very and, – and, and started to make my own connections. very easy to do that because, oh, well, they already know Katrina or they already know this person. And then suddenly you've got a 1,000 friends in a 1,000 cities and it's like you're in this – this little fraternity that uh, you know does jokes instead of well, they still do beer, they still do lots of beer, <laughs> but uh, but but mostly mostly jokes too. Yeah, so we're just a bunch of frat boys, right? <laughs> a lot of people would probably agree with that. Still, actually, this is a whole other topic to get into, uh, which is okay. what made the Animal House cover so special. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and uh, so there we are. Yeah, oh, full circle callback. Boom. Thank you, Chris. And that brings us to – see, that's why maybe you were so good. The final thing we wanted to talk about was uh, when you went up and did stand up at the PNH. Now, by sure. the way, he has written about this. It's a blow-by-blow. Blow. I think it's more detailed than um, than even The Passion of the Christ in terms of minute-by-minute. <laughs> minute. But uh, but definitely check it out. But also, uh, you know, if you if you wanted to kind of remember uh, that night, if you could tell us about that. Well, I can a little bit because it was, it was not um – you know, I wanted to do it just because I felt like there – I didn't know which direction the the story was going to take. And there's always this fail-safe of when you don't know where else to start, go first person. And uh, I, I didn't have to do that. Uh, there was just enough great stuff to where I was able to write about other people and, and not uh, have to – to talk about that night very much, but it was uh, it was just something I felt like I needed to do to understand it, um, to to kind of see through the eyes of all of these other people, uh, especially maybe some of the people who bomb. Right, <laughs> you know, I mean, I really felt like oh, I should know what it's like to bomb in Memphis because. It, you see smart people who clearly are working towards good jokes when they're just getting started and they're figuring out their timing and they're they're just deer in the headlights up there on opening night and it's just going nowhere. And I thought, well, that's got to feel terrible. Yeah. Um, so Tommy had been encouraging me to try a different open night. Tommy's like, oh, you don't want to do this one because, you know, like people show up here. They're good. Yeah. <laughs> the very go, encouraging Tommy you're gonna, you're gonna get murdered. Well, you know, he is actually very encouraging of a lot of people. He just right. – he, he really was like, you know, man, you're you just – you're some old – the journalist dude, you don't, want to, you don't want to do this, and uh, uh, yeah. But you know, it, it's not fair to say that it was that it was uh, uh, unprecedented because I have this weird performance art history where I used to do things like I would just I had this character, the shirtless man, where I would go into Sears and try and buy a shirt, or I would go into banks and try and get loans. <laughs> um, I would go to parking lots of uh, the Orpheum and offer unconventional services. Like instead of let me wash your windows, I would try and iron things for people. <laughs> um, so, you know, all of that that uh, improv background and that sort of stuff um, helped. But But I don't think there's anything that can compare to that moment when you're alone. Um, which is something you don't always experience in a theater. You know, you're usually working right. with a team. Sure. So you're alone and the, the lights are on you and there's this bunch of faces out there of people that, you know, they've come to laugh. They want to laugh, but it's still. You still got to make, make them. Yeah. You still got to do it. And <laughs> and the thing about that space, and, and we talked about this a bunch, is that the silence is not the worst thing that can happen. Because no. if, if you're not doing well, th- those guys, Midtown, Midtown loves Midtown. Midtowners right. love Midtowners. They will turn to each other and they they can entertain each other all night long, all yeah, by themselves. So they don't need you, 
And so that was what I was terrified of, is are they just going to turn and start talking? Because because I didn't have material. I was unrehearsed. I just figured, you know, what I do can be kind of funny sometimes. So just talk about it. Use your, uh, um, you know, you, use what you have learned, uh, 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 other skills, and see if you can make this happen. And, and it worked fine. It was yeah. good. You started off with uh, with a Twitter joke. So, you know, that's always good. Hey, somebody said something nasty to me on Twitter. Oh, it wasn't, on, then, that wasn't on Twitter. Oh, okay. Well, somebody, I, don't, I, don't, I don't remember. Even. Maybe a... What did I... I don't... See, I don't even you remember. You said... Um, and, and you wrote about it, too. You said... Uh, so, <laughs> somebody asked me... Um, it, it was something about giving your... Was it hard for you to keep your job with all the oh, blow jobs you have yeah, to yeah, give? Yeah, yeah, yeah. To your bosses. Well, yeah. I mean... Oh, look. Uh, I'm a theater critic, so I get all kinds of hate mail every week. <laughs> and yeah, that was that was. Uh, 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 I got an email that said, uh, "How? how um, yeah, they asked me how I. Uh, I can't. God, see, right. I, I wish I could. The remember setup right is, now. is is important. Yeah, it's, I think it, it was, yeah, it's just, it's just right. basically that the the assumption was. I could not possibly keep my job unless I was giving uh, my bosses blowjobs, which, I, I mean, I don't know when that became a bad thing. Right. And that was your joke. That was your turnaround. And everybody everybody got excited about that. Well, and the thing is, if you get off to a decent start, it, it helps. It helps helps a lot. And you'll see, I think, uh, a lot of times when you see new people, um, even if, you know, there's we have a lot of new people, a lot of times who are very hardworking. It was um, special that week because I had interviewed a, a, an Elton John impersonator. Nice. Who it he went by the name of Almost Elton John, and <laughs> and I had tried to contact I had tried to contact him by way of the internet, and I contacted a different Elton John impersonator by right. the name of Almost Elton John. Oh, okay, so there's <laughs> which meant like maybe yeah, which <laughs> there's more than one. Wow. Well, maybe I was you know maybe I, there was some fraud going on. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. someone was out there impersonating Almost Elton John. <laughs> You're gonna have a Andrew WK type of situation. Among Elton John in person, but I got a phone. Yeah, I got a phone call back from that guy. So I'm like, uh, you know, I just want you to know, you reached almost Elton John. You you found his official website, but I'm not the almost Elton John. And then it was uh, <laughs> that's the other almost Elton John. You know, yeah. If I wasn't giving my bosses all those blowjobs, that would have surely gotten me fired. <laughs> yeah, I. I, I <laughs> so that was, that was. I mean, that was just a. That was just a, a, a good. Part of your job when you work at an alternative news weekly is just talking to crazy people. So sure. there's, there's, I could probably show up every Tuesday and get off one good joke, but then after that I'd be sunk right. because what you come to realize is, is just how much, um, how much dedication it requires to really take funny material. And you know, it's, it's like being a sculptor. You know, you, everybody starts out with a pretty piece of marble, but you got to have certain skills to really make it look like something and yeah. and that's what it seems to me you guys do at the open mics is you're you're sculpting these jokes down to something a little more perfect we certainly try to carly do you remember the first time you went up yeah it was at the pnh also really tommy didn't try and talk you out of it no he like tried to make for sure that he I told me it. i should start at doug's show <laughs> like, maybe you should maybe you go to Doug's show. Did you want to go to Drew's? Go over to Drew's. What do you What do you remember yeah. about the first time you and I? I remember I was just going to go that one night because I always had things going on Thursday nights, so I was never actually able to go. I had Grizzly rehearsal, and then I uh, went. I had a night off, so then I went to just go watch and just feel it out because I'd never even gone to the open mic before. Um, I never had the opportunity, and then I was kind of like. Okay, well, I'm able to come and watch tonight when I don't know when I'm going to be able to come back and perform. So it was kind of that night. Tommy kept coming and be like, are you sure you don't want to go up? I'd be like, no, just watch. And eventually I was like, okay, put me on. And so I kind of had things in my head that I had been over time, like kind of trying to come up with that for the for the one time that I was finally going to go up that I would do. So I kind of went up there 
did what I could and came off. And then that's when I first met Richard Douglas Jones and was introduced. He came up and introduced himself to me. He said, hey, good job. And that meant a lot to me because, you know, he's a really good comic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was like very, oh, thank you so much. But then, yeah, it, it went better than I feel like a lot of people. It went better than it could have. Yeah. They're like. And, and, and I can't say for a fact because it's not like like he and I are like close close buds. Yeah. But he doesn't seem like the kind of person to me that just goes throwing around compliments lightly. No, no I mean he's a supportive person, absolutely. Yeah. But he's he's like if he comes up and says, you know, that was a good job. I think you may have done all right. I yeah. definitely appreciated that, and that's honestly like a, one of the biggest reasons why I even kept doing it. Because I feel like if I would have bombed that night, like completely bombed, I would have been terrified to even step in there like for at least another few months, right? But, the fact that I even did a little bit good, like, that's all I needed. Yeah, it's certainly helpful. And, I mean, that, that happened to me, too. I mean, you're talking about yeah. two and a half years ago or so. You know, the, the first couple times up, just everybody being very kind and very yeah. happy that you're there. Even if you didn't do well. I mean, they might not be high-fiving you if you did poorly. But everybody acts like, you know, they're happy that you're there. And if you want advice, for the most part, people may or may not give it to you. may or may not spend a lot of time with you. But they'll at least take the time to say, like, hey, man, keep going up. Right. You know, it, uh, keep working. If it, you want to do it, keep doing it. It goes back to all, just the people in this community that are just so supportive of one another. Like, you can suck and they're still going to encourage you to keep doing it. And that's why I... That's why I love it, man. Yeah, That's but why you know, I love he, it. here's a question I never get to ask because because all this support, like like I, I started wondering later, you know, I got my conspiracy hat on. I started right. thinking about the world of professional wrestling, <laughs> about how like dudes would come into the world of professional wrestling and they would want to be wrestlers and and they would be terrible, but the other pros would go, yeah, come on, jabroni, because they just oh, right. need you know they just needed people to knock down. How many people do you like support just so like you look better? There's not, from, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a fair question. Like you're laughing at it, but I've heard stories. Henry Coleman told me about uh, some guys in LA he he linked up with early in his career who would book him on their shows just because he wasn't very good, and so they would be able to come in after and be way better. Uh, that's certainly never been. I've never you know, really, yeah. It's certainly never been anything I've tried to do, and I don't know of anybody who kind of operates. I think everybody wants to produce as good a product as possible. That's what I was. Yeah, that's every what time I would they see people. People don't want to put bad people on their shows. No, yeah, it makes them look bad. Right, uh, because well, but, you know the jabronis. They weren't bad. They were just. <laughs> just Adequate, you right? Know, they were just they they were there they were there to take a fall, but yeah. to look you know to make it look like it was a little bit of a challenge, right? But there's an element of direct competition there and stuff that we don't always have to deal with. I was just gonna say, I feel like most of the people have completely different comedic styles. Yeah, we like, have a lot of think a, a, a good variety. Very, yeah. So uh, yeah, I mean it's, it's an interesting concept, and I have heard about it happening. But something that I've I, I've felt at least around here is that um, yeah, people are supportive because they do view it as a community, and the audiences that you were talking about that we were getting even on weekdays, and our ability to do that. And now you know it's not it was don't be afraid long before it was ever Tuesday show, and now it's not just Tuesday show. It's also comic comedians, and it's the leftist show, and it's the out loud showcase, which was the slightly bent showcase before uh, right. Tuesday show even existed, and that got people so. All those things had to work together and try and help people who were at open mics get better, so they could have more people to feature um, to continue to build it. I mean, we've I mean we've still got a long way to go. We had our biggest festival ever, but uh, I think everybody would like to continue to improve. Um, sure. And, and yeah, we all try and try and hug. We hug a lot now. That's what that's what somebody told me. He came back from Arkansas, who hadn't been in Memphis County. <laughs> and, and says, you guys are all hugging a that's lot. That's actually now. it's that's it's yeah. really it's gross. I mean. <laughs> Yeah. Warm embraces. Uh, so, so yeah. So that is fantastic, uh, guys. That has been the Memphis is Funny uh, dot com podcast. 
very first one. Thank you, Chris Davis, for Thank coming you. on. Thank you for having me. Obviously, Our Carly pleasure. Lawrence uh, being I'm here. I'm warm embracing him right now. Oh. Yeah. We're all hugging. Yeah. <laughs> we are, uh, of course, sponsored by the OAM Network. If you want to know what's going on this week, including the things I mentioned earlier, also Earthquake at Chuckles, you can check all that out at memphisisfunny.com, and we will see you guys next week. This podcast is a production of OM Audio and the OM Network. For more information, go to theoamnetwork.com.